Christians believe in Jesus' words. We trust in Jesus' words. And all throughout the book of John, uh, in the recent weeks, but even last year as we were looking at it, we saw, we have seen that Jesus' words and God the Father's words are one. Jesus' actions and his speech are inextricably linked uh, to each other and they all point us to the Father. They all point us um, to to what the Father is doing in Jesus as the Saviour and the King. And in our passage here today, we can see that we are clean because of Jesus' words. That's how we're pruned. That word clean in verse 3 is the same word as the word prune that we see throughout the passage. That's how we've become Christian, by the word. And it's not only how we become Christian, it's how we keep going. It's how we stay following Jesus. It's how we're connected to Jesus and it's how we remain in him. If you have a look in verse 7, you can see that for yourself. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, we see that connection. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So everything that the word does affects us. It has a it has an impact on our lives as Christians. And the word does so much, doesn't it? It reveals God, who he is and what his will is. And so what that means is that the word convicts us as we see God and how we are supposed to be, how we're created to live in light of who God is. The word convicts us and it reveals to us whether we are doing just that living the way God has created us. And so on one hand, it means that this word is a word of God's judgment. It leads to cutting off the unfruitful. That's what verse 2 says. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And being cut off from God means that we are facing God's judgment. But note what, what, what it does on the other hand. While every branch that does bear fruit He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Pruning to be more fruitful. And God prunes by his word. Now, I don't know about you, but I find pruning very stressful. Now, in God's kindness, we have a garden uh, and 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 we enjoy it. We like to share it. We like to uh, live and, and spend time in the garden. We're reminded of God's good creation in our garden at home. We're also reminded of the fall as we think about the weeds that keep coming up and the endless time that we have to spend cutting the grass and, and doing all that sort of stuff. But one of the ways that we look after the garden is by pruning it. And I find pruning very stressful. Why? If you've ever done any pruning, it's because you have to cut bits of a plant off. A plant is growing well. It's doing healthily, and yet you cut it back by pruning it. It makes no sense to me. I find it totally counterintuitive. If you think about it, cutting something healthy back so that it can grow more. Can you imagine a bodybuilder going, oh, I want to get bigger arms, I'm going to cut my arm off? It makes no sense at all, does it? It's not like, you know, I see a weed in the garden, I want to pull it out and throw it away. That makes perfect sense to me. That's really easy. I can do that. But pruning, cutting something back so that it comes back healthier, so that it grows stronger, 
so that it becomes fruitier? That's really odd. That's what it says here, doesn't it? That the father prunes, and we'll talk about the fruitfulness later, but what I want us to focus on is that the father does prune. He cuts off bits that are unhelpful. And the way he does it is by his word. And so if we remain in him, we are shaped by his word. We remain in him by staying in his word. By the word, we are convicted to be more and more like Jesus in what we do and in what we think. And so if you're thinking about, if you're wondering about that second half of verse 7 where it says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, well, that's, this is exactly what it means. We ask in the context of remaining in God's words. As we remain in God's word, we are shaped to be more and more like Jesus, to do what he does, to desire what he desires, to think as he, as he thinks. And so when we ask, what we ask is God's desires, God's will, what God will do. And it's all part of that beautiful union that we have with God because of Jesus. Now, if this is what it is, then the word is really precious, isn't it? Because it's how we know God. Not merely intellectually, but relationally. The word, empowered by the Spirit, transforms us. It enables us to continue to live in Jesus. It's how we live, it's how we stay alive, it's how we remain fruitful. And so what do we need to do? We need to read it. We need to study it. We need to memorize it. We need to speak it, to mull over it, to hear it, to meditate on it, to listen to it, to trust it, to depend on it, to refer to it, to delight in it, to follow it, and to consult it. And how we do that might be different at different times in our life. Maybe you're newly married. Why don't you consider adjusting your routines? Try reading the Bible together. Try reading it apart. Maybe uni's just started for you. Maybe you've just moved house. Maybe you've just started a new job. Maybe there's something else that's going on in your life. Who knows? But we need to adapt and to make sure that we spend time in the Word. And we need to do that, especially if what we've done previously isn't working for us anymore. Some of us, we read the same verse over and over and over and over again for the whole week. For others, we read a whole book in a day. It doesn't matter the length that you read. What matters is that we're spending time listening to God in the Word. Now, sometimes I read the same passage for, the, for a whole week or two, and I really like to soak in it. Other times, I read multiple chapters a day. But as I mentioned before, what matters is that we spend time in the Word. I want to encourage us. Over morning tea, why don't you talk to each other and ask, what do you do? What are your current Bible reading habits? Maybe we can learn from each other. Share with each other, get some different ideas on how to read the Bible, how to study it together, what you do by yourself, what you've been learning, what you've been encouraged by, how you've been rebuked, challenged, shaped, changed by God's word. 
Why don't we talk to each other about this? We don't want to do this to be proud. The point is to encourage each other. Maybe we can learn something. Now we need to be intentional about how we hear God in the Word. Because all around us there are thousands and thousands and thousands of messages that are dead and useless from different advertisers which are telling us things otherwise. And so let's make sure that we uh, supplant them, those dead messages, with the words of life, the words that enable us to remain in Jesus. Because, after all, it's how we bear fruit, isn't it? As we're convicted by the word, that's how God prunes us to be more fruitful. Now why is that important? Why is it important for us to keep reading the word, to keep being fruitful? Why is that important? Not only is it important that we bear fruit because it means that we won't be removed from the vine and it it means that we won't have to face judgment. Not only is it important because of that. But it's through Jesus in the word That is the only way that we can bear fruit. It's only in Jesus that we are even able to bear fruit, to remain in him. Verse 4. Have a look at verse 4 with me. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Now we want to bear fruit, don't we? Because we know that fruitless branches are cut off. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Fruitlessness is not good. We do not want that. That's very clear. But what we do see here is a comfort, isn't it? Verse 5, the end of verse 5, oh no, in the middle of it, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Those who remain in Jesus do bear fruit. It's great to know this, isn't it? That those who remain in Jesus do bear fruit. Now this might raise a concern. Am I doing enough to produce fruit? Am I actually fruitful? Have I, have I done enough fruit bearing to be saved from being cut off um, that we see in verse 6? I think we need to be aware of where this question is coming from. Uh, that I think the, the source of this is our insecurity, our lack of trust in Christ. Because we need to keep being reminded of how fruit is born, don't we? It's only as we remain in Jesus that we bear fruit. Which means, as we've already seen, that the Word has already begun transforming the life of the believer. And more than that, we don't actually do anything to bear fruit from ourselves. 
because apart from Jesus in verse 5, we can do nothing. It is Jesus' work in us that produces the fruit out. That's why in verse 16, that's why Jesus has chosen us. He has appointed us, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I, Jesus, chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. You see, the believer is connected to Jesus like a branch is connected to the vine. And the branch is a, the branch is able to be fruitful because of the vine. It nourishes. It gives life. It provides the nutrients. And so the fruit is not about what we do. It's about what Jesus is doing in us. And that's a real comfort. It's a real comfort, isn't it? So what is he doing? How are we being transformed to live uh, and to be more and more like Jesus? Well, perhaps the question can be more clearly said, asked as, what actually is this fruit that Jesus is producing in us? What does it look like? If we remain in Jesus, what will happen? We will love as Jesus loves. And this whole passage is about relationships, isn't it? It's, it's about a relationship between the Father and Jesus, and it's about a relationship between Jesus and us. Have a look in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And so what are the commands? Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. How has Jesus loved us? Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. In Jesus, we love others as Jesus has loved us. And not just that, but also as God the Father loved Jesus, God the Son. Jesus is saying here that this triune love between God the Father and God the Son overflows into us. It's actually quite amazing if you think about it. Verse 15 goes on to say, uh, Jesus goes on to say, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from, uh, that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You see, this relationship between the father and the son has overflowed into us. And we can know everything that the Father has revealed to the Son because Jesus has made it known to us. We're connected to Jesus, the vine. And we see that the motivation for this is because of God's love. And so there's a real welcome, isn't there? There's a real privilege that we have as followers of Jesus to be able to partake in, to enjoy, to revel in, to experience, to be part of the love that the Father has for the Son. It's just beautiful, isn't it? 
And this overflows into us loving others. Because the Father has loved the Son, because the Son has laid down his life for us, we can love others. Now some, some people might look at verse 12 and say, this seems a bit rough. We're commanded to love each other. It's a bit pragmatic there, isn't it? It's not very loving to be commanded to love. But we need to keep remembering, don't we? That we're commanded to do this as an overflow of God's love. And that's why verse 11 shows us that it is such a joyful thing. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is no tyrannical, not an authoritarian, it's not oppressive command. This is a picture of the fruit that Jesus bears in us and through us. It's absolutely beautiful. Now, there are all sorts of different discussions and debates about what this fruit actually is specifically. Uh, Some say, uh, some of you might be thinking about Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Yes, that is fruit. But we need to be careful that just because the same metaphor from Galatians 5, fruit, is being used here, that it's referring to exactly the same thing, that may or may not be the case. We can look at our passage to understand what fruit is from this passage. I know some look at verse 16, uh, where Jesus is speaking to the remaining 11 disciples, and he says, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. And they'll look at that and think, oh, well, what then did the 11 disciples do? Well, they went out and did evangelism. They went and proclaimed Jesus. And so fruit, therefore, is evangelism. And that does make some sense. I think there is some there are some legs on that. But I think from our passage, fruit has an even bigger bigger meaning. Because if we look from verse verses one to eight, the first half of our passage, we see that the fruit metaphor comes out of remaining in Jesus. The branch and the vine metaphor. And then what happens straight after verse eight and verse nine, Jesus goes on to say Remain in my love. Keep my command to love. Now, I think that's a very compelling case for us to understand what the fruit is. Fruit is following Jesus' command to love. From this passage, bearing fruit, because we remain in Jesus, bearing fruit is a broad description of the healthy Christian life, isn't it? It's to follow Jesus' commands, which includes proclaiming the gospel, which includes bearing the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians, but which can be described perhaps very very broadly as loving. Loving. And that love cannot be separated from the motivation that we saw before. Loving as Jesus has loved us. We can't move on from that basis of our love. God's love for us. And so it's worth us reflecting on as we think about going out from here, rather than thinking, how, uh, who should I love or how should I love, I think it's important for us to reflect on 
how has God loved us? And so I find it helpful to stop and to remember what Jesus has done on the cross, that ultimate display of love for us. I find that particularly helpful because it's so different from the love that we hear about across the world. You know, we've just had Valentine's Day. It's a very different type of love to Jesus' self-sacrificial love where others are put ahead of the self. It's so countercultural, And yet we can't move on from it, can we? Because that's the basis for how we live out in this world. So after this sermon, we're going to sing a song called See Him in Jerusalem. And that song very vividly describes Jesus' love born on the cross for us. I want to encourage you as we sing it, remember that this is Jesus' love for us and that because of his love, we can love others. Now we started asking the question, what's next for us? After we become a Christian, after we decide to follow Jesus, what do we do? How do we stay Christian? What does it mean for us to continue following Jesus? Well, John's Gospel here, it shows us that we must remain in Jesus, doesn't it? That we must keep following him. And we do that by holding on to the word, by meditating on it, by hearing God speak to us in it, by letting it change and shape our lives. And in it, what we see is that it points us to God's love for us. God's love for us in Jesus. And it's because of his love that we love others. We bear fruit. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your love. We thank you for the love uh, between the Father and the Son. And we thank you that just as the Son has remained in the Father's love, that we can remain in the Son's love. Father, thank you for Jesus, that he would uh, go so far as to give up his life for us on the cross. Father, help us to love as he has loved us, that we might remain in him, that we might bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen.